Praise the Lord. Thank you, Rue family. What a blessing that song was. And uh, Brother Chris, so thankful for you and for that missionary presentation. Uh, I've been around missions a long time, and uh, missions has been important to me, not only as a pastor, but in my previous ministry when I served as a missions director. And uh, Brother Chris, that's one of the best missionary reports that I've ever had the privilege of watching. And I've seen a lot, and I've seen some missionaries have just fabulous presentations like they were professionally done in Hollywood. And, uh, but what you saw there is just the real deal. And um, that's the kind of stuff that touches my heart. And uh, we've been saying it for years, folks. The ministry is about love and truth. Love people, give them the truth, and if that doesn't work, then it doesn't need to work. And in culture, Christian culture all around this world, not just in America, uh, ministries are cutting corners and they're not focusing on the biblical elements of ministry of love and truth, and they're substituting programs and methodology, worldly entertainment, worldly excitement and enthusiasm, and I'm telling you, uh, that's the kind of stuff that will produce, um, it'll produce results, but um, it, it'll just produce more of those goats you were talking about, Brother Chris, and uh, I'm glad you got rid of the goats. <laughs> now, seriously, not just, uh, you know, we talk about uh, lost church members as goats, but uh, literally goats, I'm not a huge fan of goats either. Uh, I've had times where I had to take care of um, uh, some of the brethren's goats while they were gone on vacation, and um, they, they were very fortunate to come back and their goats be alive. <laughs> but uh, Anyhow, John chapter number 19. John chapter number 19, I cannot make you any promises that I will preach short this morning, but I will tell you it is my hope and my intention. I will be courteous of your time, and at the same token, I'm going to tell you right up front that the content of the message is way too important to be worrying about the time of the service. And so uh, if you will listen quickly, I'll do the best that I can to preach it quickly. But uh, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, and I'll remind you, we don't have a Sunday evening service, and so as long as I get you out of here by 7, then we've still gained some, amen? Uh, We're still, uh, but uh, anyhow, uh, before I read our text... I wanted to share this with you. This past Thursday was a beautiful day, and uh, my wife and I hadn't done anything together outdoors for quite some time, and so because she is a virtuous woman, she said, "Uh, honey, why don't we go play nine holes of golf? And I said, yes, you are a virtuous woman. So we went went, uh, over to Lakewood, that's over by um, the airport. We got on the ninth hole, getting ready to tee off. And we could hear in the not-too-far distance, it had to have been less than a quarter mile away, somebody was target practicing. And if you've been out in the woods much, if you've ever hunted much, you can kind of tell when the muzzle blast is somewhat in your direction instead of away from you. And so we kept hearing boom, boom, boom. It's real windy out, and uh, we're on the cart path getting ready to tee off. I'm standing there talking to to her, and I'm like, wow, those, those shots are really, really close. And about that time, there's some kind of a tree above us 
that has these big seed pods, and the wind blew one of them off, and perfect timing, kaboom, and that seed pod hits me right in the chest. (laughs) And I'm like... (laughs) My wife started laughing and cracking up. She said, I wish you could have seen the look on your face, and... It's like, I didn't think I got shot, but it was enough to make me just kind of look because <laughs> the timing was impeccable. All right, John chapter number 19 and verse number 1. Then Pilate, therefore, took Jesus and scourged him. The soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again, and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold, the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again unto the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour And he saith unto the Jews, Behold, your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. They took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth unto a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews." Amen. Thank you, Brother Lee. Appreciate that. I want to preach this morning on the subject, never forget the cross. Everybody forgets something sometime. The other day, I, uh, I've i got a, a old Chevy pickup that I bought from Brother Sharp, and 
I've got it running, and so I was out and about with it, and um, I uh, parked in front of that farm store right beside Walmart, and I was getting ready to go in. I was looking for a tool. I don't even remember what it was, but I forgot that I don't have keys to the door. I only have keys to the ignition. Brother Sharp ripped me off and sold me a truck without keys to the door. And so I, you know, I'm not used to driving it out and about town and I just bought some groceries at Walmart. So I wasn't thinking I locked my doors. And uh, as soon as I shut the door and tested it, I realized, uh uh-oh, I don't know if this key works. So I tried to get the key work. It didn't even go in the slot. And I thought, oh, great. I've got groceries. Thankfully, I didn't buy ice cream that particular time. But, uh, oh, great, I can't get into my car. So I did the first thing that I would do in any situation like that. I tried to get a hold of Brother Beaver. And Brother Brother Beaver, I mean, here's another brethren story. He so selfishly had shoulder surgery, and so he couldn't help come help me out. And so here I am stranded. Well, I will say this, uh, Brother Beaver, um, he hooked me up with a friend of his, and within about 10 minutes, the guy came out let me into my car. I tried to pay him. He said, no. He said, me and Brother Jerry, we, we exchange help uh, with and so forth. So it all worked out great. But, you know, that was an important thing, and I just simply forgot. The other morning, we went to bed. We were getting ready to go to bed, and we have a propane water heater. And that thing is, is like some of your cars. It's just always breaking down. And it's never anything too serious, and so I've just been limping it along for replacing parts. And, I mean, I can literally tear into that water heater like a NASCAR pit crew. And um, so, anyhow, it quit working that night. I couldn't get it running. I thought, you know what, it's late. I'll wake up in the morning, and I'll uh, see if I can't get it fixed and get it going. Well, guess what I did? I forgot. And uh, my wife had to have a cold shower that morning. And, uh, you know, they say, hell hath not fury like a woman's scorn, especially after a cold shower. How do you forget something like that? Well, certainly I did forget it. And we all forget something sometime, our keys, our phone. Hey, Brother Rue, I know missionaries with a lot of kids that have forgotten their kids at church. And uh, Sister Rue just bowed her head, so I, I might have just hit on a sore spot. So anyhow... We forget all kinds of things. I think about the song, remember I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Brothers and sisters, if there's anything that we ought not ever forget as believers, it's the cross of Calvary. The first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is remember the purpose of the cross. The purpose, the cross had a purpose. It wasn't an accident. It was part of divine sovereignty and the providence of God. In fact, the event of the cross that took place some 2,000 years ago, according to God's holy word, it was something that in eternity past was part of God's master plan and design for the redemption of the human race. God, in His sovereignty and in His foreknowledge, all of these things in, in due time... Christ died for the ungodly. And so that time came along that God knew would happen, and there it was. But the purpose of the cross was twofold. Number one, Jesus died on the cross in obedience to His heavenly Father. 
In Luke 22, verse number 42, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'll say more about that here in just a few moments. But he said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The number one most important thing that we all need to remember is that the purpose of the cross was, number one, God the Son in obedience, pleasing God the Father. Secondly, the purpose of the cross was the redemption of man. And I'm thankful, even though our purpose comes in uh, priority number two, amen? I know I've said this before, and I'm not, I'm not a nitpicky Christian, but I'm just not a huge fan of the, the, the Christian song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I understand that, yeah, there's some emotional just thinking that Christ died for me, making it personal. And listen, I'm not being nitpicky, and I wouldn't recommend you to be nitpicky. But I'm just not a huge fan of it because I don't believe that Jesus was thinking about Randy Mitchell when he was on the cross. I think he was thinking about bearing the sins of the human race and he was thinking about his heavenly father and so forth. I'm glad I got in on that. But I don't think that it was all about me. I think that it was all about Jesus and it was all about God the Father. Isaiah 53 verse number 10, it says... Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. I believe in that order, the purpose of the cross of Calvary was obedience uh, from God the Son to God the Heavenly Father, and secondly, for man's redemption. Point number two this morning, we need to remember the pain of the cross. Now, I don't have neither the time nor the eloquent ability to describe things like a C.H. Spurgeon or a famous pastor. I'm not that guy that can actually bring you through uh, the English language to where you feel like that you are literally at the foot of the cross of Calvary. But I tell you what I do have, I do have the Word of God and I do have truth. And so I'll leave it up to you to put your imagination in what it must have looked like. But I believe that the, the, it is important and imperative that we don't forget about the pain of the cross. Folks, there are many different kinds of suffering. There was the physical suffering of the cross. Isaiah 52 verse number 14 The Bible says, as many were astonished at thee. That word astonished, it's astonished. People looking at Jesus on the cross of Calvary in astonishment. Why? Because his visage, visage is his appearance, was so marred more than any man. And his form more than the sons of men. The physical, brutal torture that the body of the Lord Jesus Christ went through, when people at the cross looked upon him, they just couldn't believe how tortured and how his visage had been so marred. We read, in fact, in our text here, we uh, some of these things we already read about. There was the blunt force as he was smitten. There were puncture wounds. And you know what? Puncture wounds are painful, amen? 
There's something about a puncture wound that, I mean, it's not just when something is puncturing the skin, oh, it hurts instantly, but then even after that puncture, whether it's a thorn which he had on his uh, on his head or whether it be the nails that were driven into his hands and in his feet, there is something about a puncture wound that is intense, and even after that puncturing instrument is removed, it is a lingering pain. Sometimes the pain is worse after the puncturing instrument has been removed. There were lacerations as he was scourged with, I'm sure that history is probably correct in that he was scourged with a Roman cat of nine tails, with literally sharp objects embedded in those nine different whips and as it, the, the, the whip came across his back and would wrap around his front and that soldier would pull that whip away. I'm told that it would literally leave furrows in the skin and in the flesh. And that is what the Lord Jesus Christ went through with those lacerations. And, and, and then, you know, another kind of physical suffering is broken bones. In my notes next to broken bones, I have N-A, not applicable. Because none of the bones of Jesus were broken on Calvary's cross. And that was according to prophecy. And so, yeah, a broken bone can be a very deep pain. I remember when I broke bones, broke my ankle playing hockey. And boy, I tried to be tough, but boy, that was hard to be tough. My wife, I said, no, I don't want to, I don't want to call the ambulance. So my wife loaded me up in the back of our 85 Chevy Suburban, took me to the emergency room. And I'm back there. It's like, she was just, she was just driving on the normal road. And it's like, would you quit hitting those bumps? <laughs> every single, uh, every single piece of gravel in the asphalt, I could feel it. It was so painful. And I remember getting into that emergency room and I mean, my hands start going numb and I'm thinking, oh no, I've got spinal cord injury. I start panicking. Nurse, nurse, I can't feel my hands. So, you know, you'd think that you watch the programs on TV, you know, well, they get all of the trauma center people in. No, you know what she does? She hands me a paper bag, says, here, breathe in this. <laughs> That's all I get, a paper bag. One breath, it's like, oh, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> I was hyperventilating because my breath was so short because I'm going, <laughs> I'm hurting. <laughs> and then, oh, my goodness, uh, when uh, in my leg, they gave me that shot of morphine. Whew. Instant. That was really, really nice. But anyhow, probably not a good thing if you don't have broken bones, though. You have to preach that this day and age. Jesus didn't have any broken bones, but he did have some muscle, tendon, and ligament strains and tears, no doubt. You say, how do you know that, preacher? Because Psalm 22 makes it clear. Verse number 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. You don't get bones out of joint without having some uh, tendon and ligament damage. My heart is like wax. It melteth, uh, melted in the midst of my bowels. And then, of course, we could add so many different things, fatigue and thirst. Psalm twenty-two, fifteen: my strength is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. And we could certainly go on and on about the physical suffering of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. 
But I want to move on to the next uh, topic of our first point, and that is the emotional suffering that Jesus endured on the cross of Calvary. We read in Luke 22 and verse number 44, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is a condition known as uh, hemodrosis or hemodrositis. There's different uh, forms and variations of the word, but hemodrosis is a condition in which capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands, they rupture, causing them to exude blood. Uh, It occurs under conditions of extreme physical or emotional stress. Now, when Jesus is playing, praying, I should say, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he has not yet had any physical stress. And so as his sweat became great drops of blood, I think that we cannot even fathom the emotional stress that Jesus was going through as he realized that his hour was approaching. The entire purpose of his life was getting ready to come into fruition. And I don't believe for a moment that it was just simply the physical suffering of the cross that Jesus was dreading. I believe that it was the things that were going on in his heart and in his mind and in his soul that he was really dreading the most. In addition to this great drops of blood at the cross of Calvary, we read about him being mocked, the mockery he was spit upon. Uh, They made false accusations and they kept mocking him. Oh, if you're the son of God, why don't you save yourself? Uh, Why don't you show us, uh, why don't you uh, prove to us that you are who you say you are? The shame as he hung there, uh, suspended up where everybody around could see him. And he was crucified there in nakedness and open shame. He was rejected by those that he loved. He was rejected by the nation that he came to. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse number 11, He came unto his own, but his own received him not. How Jesus must have felt that rejection, and not only that, but the rejection by God the Father. Which brings me to the next item that is worthy of consideration, and that is the spiritual suffering of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Matthew 27, verse number 46, the Bible says about the ninth hour, that would be three in the afternoon, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, Why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus had never referred to God the Father as his God. He has always referred to him as his Father. But at that moment, he cried out in an agony, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did God forsake him? You know, the Bible gives us as God's children a promise when uh, the book of Hebrews said that God will never leave us or forsake us. Was Jesus just feeling like God had forsaken him? No, the truth of the matter is, at that moment in time and space on the cross of Calvary, 
God the Father did indeed forsake His Son. And here's why. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21, For He, that is God the Father, hath made Him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. At that moment in time and space, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ became our sin. And His heavenly Father, as He looked down, He had to turn His back. He couldn't look upon His only begotten Son, His beloved Son. He could not look at that moment because Jesus had become sin for us. You remember back in the Old Testament when God sent the plague of those fiery serpents among the children of Israel for their rebellion and for their murmuring and those that were bitten of those fiery serpents and were in the process of dying. God said to Moses, I want you to take a brazen serpent. Now the serpent is a sign of the curse and brass is a sign of judgment. And God said, I want you to put that brazen serpent on a pole and I want you to hold it up and whoever looks upon that will be healed. That's where we get that great hymn, Look and Live, My Brother Live. Because whoever looked upon that brazen serpent, they were healed of their infirmity. What did that represent? That was a picture of something that would happen in the future. Listen, we have all, as descendants of Adam, we have been bitten by the the vicious, vile serpent of sin. And we're dying. We're dying and... Listen, we will end up spending eternity in hell if someone doesn't take our judgment from us. Jesus Christ was judged on Calvary's cross so that we don't have to be judged for our sin. He became sin for us. And at that moment, he said he'd never felt this before, not in all of eternity past. I I can't even describe eternity past. But Jesus had never felt what he felt at that moment. Say, what do you think that it felt like? Well, if you're a Christian, you can remember the time when the Holy Spirit of God brought conviction of sin into your life. When you felt the guilt that we ought to always feel whenever we sin. You know, sometimes our conscience gets jaded and we commit the same sin over and over until pretty soon our conscience really doesn't bother us that much. But if you'll recall, maybe the worst sin that you ever committed and how horrible and how lonely and how defiled that you felt on the inside, especially when the Holy Spirit of God came by and opened up your eyes and shed light upon our sin. If you remember what that felt like, if you will mac- if you will uh, multiply that by a gazillion. <laughs> That's what Jesus was feeling on the cross of Calvary. Folks, I cannot even imagine how he must have felt. And even though he was weak from his suffering, he felt so much spiritual suffering that he was able to cry out and say, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. We dare not ever forget the suffering of the cross 
of Jesus Christ. And my last and third point is, may we never forget, may we remember the perpetrators of the cross. Legally speaking, we could say that the Romans, Pilate, the Roman soldiers were responsible for the cross. We read in John 19, 23, once again, then the soldiers, when they had crucified him, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. The Roman soldiers were physically the ones who drove the nails, who stood that cross up, and I can imagine as that cross, perhaps maybe there was a hole in the ground. I've heard some preachers talk about this, and as they raised that cross up with ropes, and as the bottom of that cross, as it landed in that hole that they had dug, and how that the cross fell, maybe it was a two-foot hole, and how that must have jarred his body when that cross bottomed out in that hole. Cannot imagine that, but the Roman soldiers were right there, and they were physically the ones that were crucifying Jesus. But morally speaking, morally speaking, it was not the Roman soldiers that put Jesus on the cross. It was, according to the Bible, the Jews. Now listen, I am not anti, I am not anti-Semitic. I believe that the Jews are God's chosen people. I am thankful and I bless the Jewish people. I mean, I, Brother Jagrup sent me a video. I haven't finished watching it, Brother Jagrup, but about a, a Jewish man who went to a Bible camp in Canada, and he looked around and he said, I saw a bunch of people that, that had a love and passion for my God that I didn't have, and I don't even know any of my people that had that same love. And the Holy Spirit got a hold of him, and he told the story about getting saved, and I can remember just listening to that, and boy, I'm fighting back tears because there is something just wonderful when a Jewish person accepts their Messiah. I am not, I am for the Jewish people, but the Word of God makes it clear, and truth is truth. Morally speaking, the Jews are the ones that put Jesus on the cross. Luke 23, 21, but they cried saying, crucify him, crucify him. You know, I believe that Romans 11 makes it clear that the nation of Israel, nationally speaking, will one day in the tribulation period recognize what they did and will repent. And you know what? If, if there have been this many Gentiles that have gotten born again in the last 2,000 years, and that is a wonderful thing to rejoice over, but how much better is it going to be when God's people accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and their King? What a wonderful thing that that's going to be for planet earth. I'm looking forward to rejoicing as we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. John 19, verse number 11, Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin." Jesus knew and understood that it was the Jewish people that were morally responsible as they said, crucify him, crucify him. Let his blood be on our hands and on our children's. You know what? I've had times when I've prayed and had a, had a need. 
I mean, a, a, a heartfelt need. God, I need you to answer this prayer. And sometimes God is just so patient. And, I, I, you know, many times God has answered those heartfelt, agonizing prayer requests. But very seldom has it ever been quickly. Usually it's way out in the future and to the point where I almost think that God didn't hear and even worse, that God didn't care. But you know, there are some, there are some prayers that God answers so quickly. God, give me a burden. <laughs> Boy, God will give you a burden if you want one. Now, He may put you through some of the... If we're going to have a burden for people, we're going to have to probably go through the same kind of things that Jesus went through. God, give me a love for people. And God answers that prayer by sending some along, someone along, Brother Chris, to betray us, to hurt us. And uh, then we have to deal with that the way that Jesus Christ had to deal with his continual hurt and sorrow and betrayal. And then spiritually speaking, who's responsible for Jesus being crucified on the cross? You, me, Everyone. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 3, Paul says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for what? For our sins, according to the Scriptures. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Who are the perpetrators of the cross of Calvary? Legally, it was the Romans. Morally, it was the Jews. But spiritually, it was you and I. We are responsible for the necessity of Jesus dying on the cross. Why? Because of our sins. In conclusion... Our, our subject here is never forget the cross. It might be a little unfair to say we remember what is most important, but there is certainly an element of truth to that. I, I know I've forgotten things that were important to me. I just got sidetracked. I, I just, you know, I, 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 I forgot to remember. <laughs> it happens. And so it might be a little unfair to say that if we forgot, then it's not important. We're human. And every one of us is going to make the mistake of forgetting. But I think sometimes we do forget the cross way too much because it's not as important to us as it ought to be. It's not that Jesus is not important to us. Uh, more often than not, it's just a fact that we end up taking him for granted. I close with this statement. Never forget what Jesus has done for you. Let's get better at remembering every day what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. Sister Lynn and I, I was trying to remember a song that we sang years ago, and I heard the Schuler family from Ohio sing back in the 80s, and 
I can't sing it for you, but maybe I can give you just a little bit of a, a line that has always meant a lot to me. The song goes, Lest I forget what my Lord did for me when he hung there between heaven and earth. And lest I forget that old rugged cross where he paid so much more than I was worth. Never forget the cross.